So, welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. So, in this week's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. So, there was a TV show called Extreme Makeover Home Edition, where they would basically go to different houses uh, for people who needed uh, renovations done, and they would pay for it, and they would send them on vacation, and they would fix their house and do all these remodels. And so, we're going to do something similar, but basketball Extreme Makeover Basketball Edition. So we're looking at the Southwest Division uh, this week. And we're going to look at every single team. We're going to look at some moves that they can make to either make their team better or uh, tear their team down if that's the direction that they're going in. And so I think this is probably the best situation for each of these teams or at least one of the situations that makes sense. So we're going to start out with the San Antonio Spurs Extreme Makeover San Antonio Spurs Edition. And I think uh, the Spurs, um, at least at this point, are going to have to tear it down. And I think they're going to need to tear it down and start from scratch. So first thing they're going to do, and I guess these can be in any order because it doesn't really make a difference. They can move number one, trade DeMar DeRozan to Orlando with Rudy Gay for Evan Fournier, Al Farouk Aminu, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, and a first-round pick. Now, in this... You get DeRozan, you get Rudy Gay, and in exchange, you're getting two young players. Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba are the most important pieces. You're throwing in Fournier and Aminu for the uh, salary relief um, or to match salaries. And then a first-round pick is always a nice uh, addition. So you're getting rid of DeRozan and Rudy Gay, and you're adding um, Fournier, Aminu, Isaac, and Bamba. Now, the second thing is you got rid of DeRozan, now you get rid of LaMarcus Aldridge. So... You're going to get rid of LaMarcus Aldridge and Patty Mills to the Miami Heat for Gordon Drogic, Myers Leonard, Kendrick Nunn, and a second-round draft pick. So you're getting a lot of cap space relief. You're getting a young player in Kendrick Nunn, and you're getting a second-round draft pick for a guy in LaMarcus Aldridge who doesn't fit your plans long-term or short-term. And Patty Mills is a throw-in because he's a good veteran uh, point guard. And so I think you're getting two contracts off the books plus Kendrick Nunn. I think it works. With the second-round draft pick, you can't go wrong. And so that is the second move. Then the third move here is trading Damari Carroll and Marco Bellinelli to the Clippers for Jerome Robinson and Mo Harkless. So in this scenario, you're basically trading um, Jerome Robinson away for Damari Carroll and Bellinelli, who I believe Bellinelli is a one-year contract. Carroll's got two years, and Harkless has one year. So Jerome Robinson doesn't fit. He's young. He was a top draft choice, but he's not really working here. So I think he needs to go somewhere where he can get more playing time. And as a small forward, I think you'll have that in uh, San Antonio, which is something you won't have pretty much anywhere else. Um, and so I think this is, to say the least, a good situation for both sides a good deal for both sides um and so i think um that's where they're at so the spurs they don't need to do any other moves because the rest of their roster is a bunch of young guys that they can really use you know Derek white is there Dejounte murray now they have um kendrick nunn now they have um mo Bama, jonathan isaac um so they have a lot of great pieces here they have uh Derek white um brian forbes so yeah they're looking so much better, Jakob Portal. So I think they're, you know, this is putting them in the right direction. 
plus you're adding a first-round draft pick and a second-round draft pick, so you can't go wrong. So that is the San Antonio Spurs. Moving on to the Dallas Mavericks, Extreme Makeover Dallas Mavericks edition. So they only have two trades here because their roster is uh, pretty well set. And so um, the Mavericks in the first of the trades, they are going to get rid of um, Tim Hardaway Jr. And they're going to go to Portland. They're going to get Kent Bazemore in a second round draft pick. Now Hardaway Jr. is a better player than Kent Bazemore. And that is why a second round pick is thrown in for Dallas. They're more about getting open cap space because this offseason they're going to go after uh, Draymond Green is going to be the guy they're going to go after. Um, I think if he becomes a free agent, that would be someone they would go and acquire. Um, alongside Porzingis, that would be a great, you know, down low pairing. So, Bazemore, second round pick for um, Tim Hardaway Jr. Then we have the Dallas Mavericks making this trade. Dwight Powell, uh, Max Kelber, and a second round draft pick for Tristan Thompson and John Henson. So, in this deal, you're getting a very good center for this year in Tristan Thompson. And you're getting rid of long-term cap space with both Powell and Kelper. So having, for this season at least, Thompson and Porzingis, you have one guy who can floor space and one guy who can go down low and rim protect and do all of the traditional center stuff. Then you get John Henson off the bench, who is better than Kelber, and I think that works out as well. So Dallas is in a good place, and I think... This will give them just a second edge for this season. And having Thompson is always, you know, it's it's good. And so I would say this is a good uh, situation. Moving on to the uh, Houston Rockets. This is the um, Extreme Makeover Houston edition. Although I wouldn't say it's an Extreme Makeover because it's only one trade. So um, what would Houston be... Um, doing so this is with um the minnesota timberwolves expecting minnesota is not fighting for a playoff spot and they're just trying to eke out um whatever assets they can get so um what you would be getting in this is robert covington and jordan bell and you would be trading away nene and uh daniel house jr and two second round draft picks one from philadelphia and one future Houston second-round draft pick. Um, and so why you would... Obviously, um, if you're Houston, you're getting... You're starting small forward in uh, Robert Covington, who is better than, um, you know, both P.J. Tucker and Eric Gordon. And then you get um, Jordan Bell, who is a good backup big. And then for the um, other side, Minnesota, you're just getting two second-round draft picks because... Daniel House is decent, but he doesn't really fit uh, in your system. And Nene is a good big off the bench. And so um, that is the Houston Rockets um, addition. You could also, if you want to take out the second round draft picks and put in a first round draft pick, you would have to wait till I believe, 2025 to do so. Um, and then you could throw in a 2025 first round draft pick. But would Houston want to do that? Probably not. So two second-round draft picks, Nene, Daniel House for Covington, and Jordan Bell. Moving on to Extreme Makeover Memphis Grizzlies edition. Um, and so in this example, we got um, three trades for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and so 
right now the Memphis Grizzlies first trade would be Andre Iguodala for James Johnson and a 2022 second round draft pick which is um, pretty much the only asset that um, Miami has at least for the recent years so for Miami Iguodala is obviously the best player he is someone who is very talented and gives them another veteran to use on their roster. And so I think having a guy like that really works. So um, Iguodala works uh, for Miami. James Johnson is a salary that is equal to Iguodala's, basically. Uh, and then you'd get a second-round draft pick, which is more important than Iguodala. So I know Memphis wants to get value for Iguodala. I think they're going to have to settle because no one's really going to want something uh, want to give up something of actual value. And so, yes, you're throwing in a second-round draft pick, but you have to take on James Johnson for two years. So um, I think that works. Second trade. Uh, this one is Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson getting traded for Jeff Teague and Tavon Graham. So in this scenario, you're getting rid of the Kyle Anderson contract and the Tyus Jones contract for Jeff Teague, who is... A good role player he would be a good backup point guard to John Morant he would give him you know the veteran presence that he really wants um, and he'd know his role and he'd be fine with that for a year um, you'd also get a 2024 uh, second round draft pick from Toronto uh, if you're the um, Minnesota Timberwolves because you are, you are taking on uh, Kyle Anderson's contract and Tyus Jones's contract um, and you didn't want to pay Tyus Jones last year when he was a free agent. So that's, um, that is um, the trade right there for um, that one. Then we have um, this third one here, which would be Jonas Valanciunas and Jay Crowder in exchange for Miles Turner and Edmund Summer. So obviously we've seen Sabonis and Miles Turner don't work great together, which um, isn't great. But Valanchunas and Sabonis probably is going to be the same situation. And so this is more for the Jay Crowder aspect um, as well as Valanchunas for Miles Turner. So you would be getting Crowder who is a very good um, wing defender, a very good wing shooter. And so if you get rid of Miles Turner, you can have Valanchunas off the bench behind Sabonis. And you can have Jay Crowder or TJ Warren or some other guy playing the power forward position in the starting lineup. And so I think this is a trade that works on both sides. And then for Memphis, they're getting Miles Turner, who is, by all accounts, a very good center. He's just on a team that's not the greatest um, fit. So you put him with Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant and Dylan Brooks. You're pretty good, at least for a young core making your way up. So that is the uh, Memphis Grizzlies um, edition, uh, stream makeover home edition. Um, then we have the New Orleans Pelicans. So the Pelicans here have two trades. Um, and so uh, these are actually going to make the New Orleans Pelicans better, I think. So the first one is trading Derek Favors and Etoile Moore. In a 2020 second round draft pick, as well as a 
future uh, 2022 or 2024, some other second-round draft pick. So two second-round draft picks for Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson. So both Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson are better than Derek Favors and Etuan Moore, and there is a good chance that Derek Favors could get waived at this end of the season or midway through the season. And so um, I think this trade, you get two second-round draft picks, and you're getting Larry Nance Jr., who is a long-term, young, you know, power forward center who can come off the bench or he could start. Um, and then Jordan Clarkson's a backup point guard to um, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, etc. So Clarkson fits. Um, I think Larry Nance fits. And then as uh, Cleveland's uh, side of things, they're just getting rid of cap space with favors and more. And then a 2020 second-round draft pick and a future 2020-whatever 20, uh, 20 second-round draft pick as well. So I think that works for New Orleans because, you know, they're getting two great players, and for Cleveland they're getting some draft picks plus some expiring contracts. Then we have this uh, bigger trade, which is um, with the New Orleans Pelicans and also with the Washington Wizards. So New Orleans is going to trade um, Lonzo Ball, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, Darius Miller, Nikola Melli, 2020 first round draft pick, unprotected um, from Cleveland. Um, it might have protections uh, from Cleveland, but there will be no protections uh, thrown on it uh, otherwise. And then a future Los Angeles Lakers first round draft pick that they acquired in the um, Anthony Davis trade this offseason. Uh, and in exchange... Uh, Pelicans will get Bradley Beal and Admiral Schofield. So Bradley Beal, obviously one of the best shooting guards in the NBA. Uh, the Wizards don't look so hot, and I think Bradley Beal is out the door. And I think getting a package with two first-round draft picks, two young players, and um, some other talented assets, I think this works for New Orleans. And I also think it works for the Wizards, you know. Um, first round draft picks will always help, you know, Bradley Beal's a great player who can be paired with Drew Holiday and imagine having Drew Holiday, Bradley Beal, Brandon Ingram, uh, Zion Williamson, and then Jackson Hayes, who is your future center. That's a pretty good starting lineup. If Zion and Jackson Hayes can, you know, make themselves better and, you know, improve and develop over this year and next. So, I think it works for both sides. I think Bradley Beal could use a change in scenery, and I think what the Wizards would be getting is a pretty strong haul, and I think it works off all sides. So that is the New Orleans Pelicans, and that is the uh, Southwestern uh, Division Extreme Makeover Edition um, for them. All right, moving on to the uh, NBA standings. So we're going to finish out this video by looking at um, as I have done, the NBA standings, how teams are looking, what is um, going on, and all of that. So, let's get started here. With the Eastern Conference, um, we have the Milwaukee Bucks, who are 24-3. Uh, and three. They are in first place, um, and they are looking very, very good. And they've been in first place for the last uh, couple of weeks. Milwaukee just is getting it done with... Um, Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Eric Bledsoe and company. Then we have in second place uh, Philadelphia 76ers who are 20 and 7. 
they have been lighting it up as of recently. And at one point during the season, they were around fourth place or fifth place. Now they are sitting in second place with that record. So they are very, very good. Then we have in third place the Miami Heat, who keep surprising everyone. You add Jimmy Butler. You add Bam Adebayo's starting role. You add Tyler Hero. You have a very good team. You know, Kendrick Nunn is um, performing at a better level. Duncan Robinson's doing pretty good. You know, the Miami Heat look like a team that's going to, you know, fight with the rest of the big dogs in the Eastern Conference for um, supremacy. And they're doing it at a very high level. And so they're just getting it done and, um, you know, doing everything they can to make it work. So, um, yeah. Miami Heat, third place. Fourth place, Boston Celtics. And so the Boston Celtics have slipped a little bit. They've been um, losing um, several of their last games. They lost to the Pacers um, in recent games. They had Hayward out for a game because he got, you know, pushed in or elbowed in the face. Um, Yeah, the Celtics just have so many issues. And I think the center position is one of those issues. I was watching or I guess I was listening to the radio uh, of Celtics versus uh, Philadelphia 76ers. And the 76ers came to Boston and won the game. It was a close one. Celtics could have won, should have won, but they didn't. And so Joel Embiid was posterizing Ennis Cantor and Daniel Tice. Um, and despite Cantor's fairly good play, they couldn't get it done. So the Celtics need a center who can stand up with uh, the best of them can stand up with Joel Embiid and all of those big time centers in the NBA. And most teams don't really have a true Joel Embiid type center, but a lot of teams do. And, um, you know, it's going to be something they have to look at because, you know, when you have uh, big time guys like that down low and they're just eating you up in the paint, you need someone to, you know, kind of soften that blow. So, Boston Celtics, fourth place. Fifth place, Toronto Raptors. Pascal Siakam getting it done. Kyle Lowry getting it done. Uh, Marcus Sol has kind of had an off year. And Sergi Baca as well. They're getting older. It's expected. But overall, um, you look at Toronto. They haven't slowed down. And, you know, everyone has said it. Kawhi Leonard was great. But Toronto is close to as good as they were last year. Um, at least in the early going, as um, now. So Toronto Raptors are um, in fifth place. Sixth place, Indiana Pacers. And they are um, 18 and 9. Six games back of first place. And so the Indiana Pacers have um, what is a very good team. Um, And Victor Oladipo hasn't even come back yet. And Victor Oladipo could be... Um, very, very good when he does come back. Um, He was out for a lot of last year. He was out for this year so far, and so who knows how he'll be. But when he comes back, he could be an all-star level Victor Oladipo again, and that's going to be deadly. Throwing in Turner, Sabonis, and everyone else. It's really fun to watch. In seventh place is the Brooklyn Nets, who are 13-12. and And so um, from the... Indiana Pacers, who are 18 and 9, and the Brooklyn Nets, who are 13 and 12. There's a, a slightly big drop off. 
with all that being said, um, Brooklyn Nets um, are, you know, getting it done with Kyrie Irving being out for parts of the season and with Spencer Dinwiddie having to fill in as the point guard. And it's been okay, and it seems like it's working out. Then we have the Orlando Magic here, who are 12-14 and 14 at this point. And Detroit is 11-15 and 15 in ninth place. Charlotte is 12-17 and 17 in um, 10th place. And Chicago is 10-18 and 18 in uh, 11th place. So Detroit, Charlotte, Chicago, Orlando are all within, you know, the general range of each other. I'd say... Washington is 7 and 17 and everything lower. I'd say they're out of it. And I'd say you know, it's only Orlando, Brooklyn, Detroit, Charlotte, Chicago right now that seem like they're in the sort of hunt for 7 8 9, you know, the playoff bottom half of the, you know, NBA. And these are the teams, maybe not Brooklyn, but Orlando, Detroit, Charlotte, Chicago who if they want to go out and get someone to bolster their chances of making the playoffs. You know, if Orlando goes out and gets DeMar DeRozan, that would give them the edge over Brooklyn, maybe. And they go out and, you know, perform better. They could be a seven seed. So I think, you know, those guys are all hovered around the same spot. Um, and I think, you know, Orlando has the edge right now. And if I were to place bets, I'd say Orlando's in the playoffs. I think Detroit lacks um, some stuff that are really needed. Um, and I think uh, Charlotte is not really the greatest, but they're playing at a high level uh, compared to what people expected. And Chicago still got a young group that needs um, help. And so um, that is um, them right now. And then all the way near the bottom, we have Cleveland, 6-20. and New York, 6-20 and record. Atlanta, 6-20 and record. So all three of those, 6-20 and records. They are, by all accounts, not good, and by all accounts are going to be fighting for a top seed in the lottery, hoping to get the number one overall pick. Now, I'm going to tell you right now the Knicks are not getting the number one overall pick because they don't have good luck, and you would have to theoretically rig the draft in some way for New York to actually get a number one overall pick. I mean, last year they had the best odds, and, you know, New Orleans got the pick, so... Um, who knows? But New York's playing terrible. Atlanta is still young. Cleveland's still young. They're playing terrible. And that's the Eastern Conference. Looking at the West, we're going to switch gears and go to the Western Conference. The West is the best. At least that's what they say. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks have the best record in basketball, but the Lakers have the best in the West. 23-3 and record. 8 Five five point eight five five uh, win percentage. Um, the Lakers have gotten it done with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, um, who are very very good. Um, Kyle Kuzma is not good, and this season so far has showed us how terrible Kyle Kuzma is. Um, and so uh, you have the veterans who have been playing better than average. You know, Rondo, KCP, Avery Bradley, uh, Dwight Howard. And so um, the Los Angeles Lakers are getting it done in every way possible. And they look like a championship caliber team, despite not having anyone else surrounding them besides um, LeBron and Anthony Davis. And so they are in first place. Second place 
and there's a significant drop-off with a 20-8 record, the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and um, Paul George and uh, Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams, uh, Patrick Beverly, they are the best of the best. Um, they are the odds-on favorite going into the season to win it all. Um, obviously, the Lakers probably have a better odds now, uh, but the Lake uh, L.A. Clippers are just crazy good, and when you have, um, you know, Doc Rivers, who is a great head coach, pair him with a great front office and great players, you have recipe for success, and you see that. Then in third place is the Dallas Mavericks, and the Dallas Mavericks have um, probably the best um, young one-two in Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. And so the New York Knicks made two very terrible mistakes. And the biggest of those was trading away Kristaps Porzingis. And um, he has turned out to be the savior with Luka Doncic for Dallas. And the Dallas Mavericks have had some of the best international players in recent years. With Dirk and Steve Nash played there. And you have Porzingis now with Luka. And so Rick Carlisle and Mark Cuban and company know what they're doing with international players. And I think Denver is going to be a sneaky good team this year. And while I don't think they'll win a championship, and I don't think they'll make the Western Conference Finals, they could be a team that is very, very good and has a great record. Moving to fourth place, the Denver Nuggets. Um, Denver is, well, they're Denver. Um like Dallas, they're going to have a good record, but they're probably not going to win any big playoff games, make it to the Western Conference Finals, make it to the NBA Finals. I think Jokic is great, but who else do they have? I mean, Jamal Murray's good, Gary Harris is good, Will Barton, but they have no other superstars. And in the NBA, to be good, you need superstars. Lakers have two of them, Clippers have two of them. You know, Philadelphia has Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, who are superstars. Giannis is a superstar. Um, and so I don't think Denver has it. Uh, so I'm going to put them uh, in fourth place. And they're in fourth place. Um, Houston Rockets are in fifth place. And I think Houston is going to have more success in the playoffs than Denver does because they do have two superstars in Russell Westbrook and James Harden. They have Clint Capella. They have Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Unfortunately, they don't have enough cap space to maneuver other moves unless they get rid of Eric Gordon or P.J. Tucker or Clint Capella. Um, I think uh, right now where they're sitting, they're in a good spot, and you know they're going to try and you know improve as much as they can. But I think Houston, despite having those two ball handlers, is I don't think they can beat the Lakers. I don't think they can beat the Clippers. Um, but they're in fifth place, and I think they'll go far in the playoffs. In sixth place, we have the Utah Jazz. And the Utah Jazz, um, I believe, are one piece away from being in contention for a championship. I don't think Utah has it right now. I think Utah needs an extra piece. I think Bogdanovich is great. Mike Conley is a good role model. Donovan Mitchell is Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert is great. But I think you need... Uh, you know, one more piece to give you that oomph that you need to make it uh, into the playoff uh, 
push towards the finals. Uh, and I don't think they have that, you know, X factor, that, you know, extra piece. Um, so Utah is in sixth place. Um, then we go to seventh place. Now, in the East as well as the West, there is um, a lot of teams who are close enough in standings where it could go either way. So right now, Sacramento's in seventh place. Phoenix is in eighth place. But Sacramento, Phoenix, and OKC all have 11 and 14 records. Um, and then you have Minnesota, San Antonio, 10 and 15 records. Portland, 10 and 16 record. Memphis, 9 and 17 records. So when you saw the Eastern Conference, you had Orlando and Detroit were a game apart. Charlotte was a game and a half apart from Orlando. Um, and it was close, but it's a lot closer right now. And you could see Sacramento, Phoenix, OKC, Minnesota, San Antonio, Portland, or Memphis make the playoffs. I think Memphis might taper off a little bit. But the rest of those teams, one, two, three, four, five, six, are vying for two spots in the playoffs. And so, again, like I said with the East, if one of these teams goes out and adds that X factor, adds that, you know, extra piece, you know, that separates them from the rest, looking at Portland, looking at Minnesota, looking at Phoenix, then you could potentially, you know, rise above your competition and be top dogs um, or at least seventh or eighth place and make the playoffs. Now, Sacramento, Phoenix, OKC, Minnesota, San Antonio, Portland, and Memphis, there's no shot they're winning a championship. And I'd be surprised if any of them make it out of the first round. But if they make the playoffs, that's a big deal. You know, if they get an extra piece and they can do it, that's a big deal. And so Sacramento, Phoenix, OKC, Minnesota, San Antonio, Portland, Memphis, you know, it's going to be a dogfight. You know, I think... Um, the top tier of the Western Conference, they're going to pull away. And so it's going to have to be how you play against these middle-tier teams and, more importantly, you know, what you can do to separate yourself from the pack. And that's going to make you as a team, whoever that is, a seventh seed or an eighth seed or even a sixth seed. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're at there. Then we have the New Orleans Pelicans, who are 6-21 and 21 record. And then we have the Golden State Warriors, who are the worst team in basketball with a 5-22 and 22 record. And I don't want to beat this, like, into, you know, oblivion. But the Golden State Warriors have been playing terrible. And you have guys, like I've said before, Eric Pascal, and you have Kai Bowman, and you have um, Alec Burks, who aren't expected to be good players, but they are playing at a higher level because, let's be honest, Steph and Clay are out, and they're not going to probably come back this season. Draymond Green is playing worse than all three of those guys, and D'Angelo Russell is the saving grace of your team, and most people thought he was going to get traded, and the only reason he was signed was so he could get traded down the line. But, you know, looking at where they're at, I think Golden State Warriors and their fans are like, okay, this is going to be a rebuild for a year. We're going to get a top draft choice, and then we're going to have Steph healthy, Clay healthy, Draymond if he resigns, D'Angelo Russell, and whoever they draft with that, you know, one or two or three pick. And so, to me, the Golden State Warriors, and I think they got to realize that this is not their year, but they could be so much better next year if they get a top draft choice. So, I don't think Golden State's going to try it all. I think they're going to say Steph, Clay, sit out for the whole year, or at least until the end of the year, you know. 
and then come back next year healthy, and you'll have D'Angelo Russell there. They can re-sign Draymond Green, and then they can get a top draft choice, and they could have a death lineup that is even better than the lineup they had with Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, and Steph, Clay, Draymond. So Golden State Warriors, in my opinion, need some work. But, you know, they're in a good position, even though they're the worst team in the NBA, which is not something you can say very often. You know, when you look at the worst team in the NBA, like the New York Knicks were last year, they were terrible and they had no future and they still have no future. But Golden State Warriors, they have a very good future. And so I was actually watching something, a video, and it was talking about the San Antonio Spurs and how David Robinson got hurt. They were the worst team in basketball, got the number one overall pick, which was Tim Duncan, and it changed their future. And so we could see a resurgence in the Golden State Warriors if they play the way they're playing, get the number one overall pick, get a very, very good player who can play small forward or who can play power forward or who can play center, and they're just insane. You know, if that guy from Memphis, James Wiseman, he's a center, uh, if he turns out to be very good, um, then you're going to see potentially Golden State Warriors with Draymond, Steph, Clay, um, D'Angelo Russell, and if they drafted James Wiseman as their center, they have their future center and the rest of their team set. You know, it's a deadly combination, and, you know, the NBA has got to be warred. So... Golden State Warriors, you're fine, even though you're going to be the worst team in the NBA, and I think you're okay with that. So that is the standings, uh, east-west. There is a lot of uh, middle ground where teams in the sort of 7, 8, 9, 10 range can really, you know, fluctuate. So I am not expecting that portion of the NBA to be uh, that much different in terms of their standings. I am definitely expecting the top-heavy East and West to, you know, that's how it's going to be. The top five or so teams are going to be way up there, and they're going to fight within each other. And then you're going to see the 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 or so, that range, they're going to be fighting with each other for the last couple of playoff spots. And so that's kind of where the NBA is. And I think that's what makes the NBA great because when you have a team that's so far ahead of everyone else, it doesn't make it fun to watch. You want to see these teams kind of battling it out at the end of these end of the season, because the last five, 10 games are going to matter more. You know, if you're already out of it and you're the ninth seed and the top eights already, you know, pretty much set in stone. How fun is that? You know, I want to see an NBA where the ninth seed in the Eastern conference is a game and a half back of the team in eighth place. And there's a battle, and they're, you know, fighting for that last spot. You know, that's what makes basketball, that's what makes all sports fun. You know, you know why people love football? Because of the wild card spots. You know, who's going to make it in the AFC? Who's going to make it in the NFC? You know, there's these records that are so close. It's, a, it's fun. You know, baseball, same way. I think sports are better when teams are closer. When there's one team that's blown everyone out of the water, it's it's not fun, you know. Golden State on their historic run wasn't fun. In Cleveland on their historic run, it wasn't fun because those two teams were always making the finals. And LeBron and Steph and Clay were facing off against each other every single year. And it was just not fun to watch. Now you have an NBA where there's a lot of teams that are good and a lot of teams that are fighting for playoff spots. 
even though it's early in the season. And so that's the best NBA to watch. And so, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for um, our episode of the podcast. Uh, Please tune in to next week's episode where we talk about more news, NBA topics, and NBA um, stories.